This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Go with me to Genesis 13. We're going to talk about coming back to worship God. Old Abraham made a big mistake. He went to Egypt. He went to Egypt because he went to Egypt because he didn't trust God. He went to Egypt because there was a financial problem. He went to Egypt because a famine came into the land. By the way, his going down to Egypt hurt him and it hurt his family and it caused problems. He's going to pick up a girl there named Hagar that will become a handmaid probably there where he gets a handmaid for his wife. He is going to see all the riches of of Egypt and Lot is going to be enthralled with money and uh, want money and we'll never see Lot build an altar and we'll always see Lot chasing after sin even though he was a born again man. We're going to see Lot mess up big time. And when you step out and go places you ought not go and do things you ought not do, you will be forgiven and he will be gracious to you and he will be merciful to you and he will continue to work in your life. But there could be a great lesson you could learn. So we're going to read Genesis chapter 13, the whole chapter. If you'll read with me, the Bible says Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. So he went up out of Egypt now. And he was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel. And the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. There was strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelleth then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between the two of us, between my herdsmen and yours. We're brethren. Verse 9. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If you, you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up. His eyes abelled all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land and the length of it, the breadth of it, and I will give it unto you. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd take some truths from this chapter and bring them home to us and encourage us and challenge us and motivate us to return and worship you, to be careful about going down into the world and getting enamored by the world and things of the world and money and material goods, but that we keep our eyes on you. I thank you for your goodness and grace in the life of Abraham. And in the life of Lot, and I pray you'd help us to trust you that you'll work in our lives that way. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Warren Wiersbe said, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Abraham's life is tested. He goes in here and he faces financial ruin. He's hungry and he runs for Egypt. God's people are always going to be tested. If you serve God, you're going to go, your, your faith's going to get tested. You're going to wonder if things will work out. You're going to wonder if God's with you. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 7, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of your faith. Whenever you trust God, whenever you serve God, things aren't going to necessarily work out right. You're going to go through the same problems other people go through. And your job is going to be to trust Jesus. When Job's going through major problems and testings and trials, Job says in Job 23, 10, he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, when he gets through testing me, I shall come forth as gold. Your faith is tested by the circumstances you face, the people in your life, things, material goods. When you're tested, don't run don't go to Egypt, but stay where God's put you until he tells you to move on. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Heard that all my life. In trouble, our question is usually, how can I get out of this? When it should be, what can I get out of this? How is God going to use this to build my faith? Someone said, faith is living without scheming. Let me take you through and give you about five things to write down if I could. Number one. God, God, Abraham had allowed circumstances to drive him out of God's will. Abraham had allowed circumstances to drive him out of God's will. Genesis 13, 1, Abraham went up out of Egypt and he and his wife and all that he had and a lot with him. In Genesis 21, 10, there was a famine in the land, or 12, 10. There was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous. It was, it was a horrible time. It was a tragic time. Things are rough. Just before, the, in that chapter, Abraham, we talked about it last service, Abraham had been worshiping, but now he's running to the world in fear. When he got really scared, he quit worshiping and he started running. He's going to seek solutions to his problems on his own. He'll try and solve the problems the way everybody else does in the world. As soon as you decide to serve God and believe him, you're going to get tested. Faith that's not tested is not trusted. Don't ask how to get out of the situation. Ask God what you need to learn from the situation. The beauty is Abraham came back from Egypt and returns to where he was. In verse 3, chapter 13, verse 3, it says, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, where he had his tent in the beginning, where he had worshipped God under the place of the altar which he had. There's some big lessons, I think, for us. Just consider with me a few things here. We are to run towards the Lord. We're in the middle of a mess. But when things really go to falling apart sometimes, I want to get in the fetal position and suck my thumb and stand in a corner and cry and hide and whine. But we're to run towards the Lord. There's no mention of Abram building another altar or seeking the Lord in his council while he's in Egypt. We see him leave an altar, not build another altar, go down to Egypt and get messed up, make some mistakes, do things that would embarrass him before he comes back. Expect that things will not go well, that you'll be afraid and you'll need to turn to the Lord. You know, this is a big thing for all of us, but everybody in this room is going to face. Amber and Paul are in a hospital right now. Paul said to me before, I've been talking to him quite a bit this afternoon, and Paul said, it just makes you realize you don't know. 
They've driven all these miles and they were going down the road to go somewhere on a little anniversary celebration and somebody hits them in the back out of nowhere. They didn't expect it. You're going to know that you're going to face things and struggles. There's going to be temptations to turn. By the way, you can start over. Abram went down to Egypt, but he's back. But you know what? It has lingering effects. Your quick journey into the flesh affects others in your family. Men, when you run down to Egypt and you come back to the Bethel, when you run down into Egypt, maybe your lot's with you, your children are with you. When you wake up, get it back to where you're supposed to go. That's what Abraham did. And by the way, you can't fix your things in your own power. You're going to need God to work on your li- in your life. Number one, number one, he let troubles drive him down to Egypt. Number two, Abram's time in Egypt had its effect. I want you to think through the story with me and just consider how Egypt affects Abram's life. He got rich. He got rich. He got cattle. Look in verse 2. And Abram was very rich. You remember in verse tw- in chapter 12? The Pharaoh is saying, hey, I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to give you some silver. I'm going to give you some gold. I'm going to be real good to you. And it's easy for you to maybe say, hey, well, it was worth it. You can run the risk. You can play with the, the world. And you can play with temptation. You can play with things. And maybe you'll come out wealthy. But I think that's probably where he gets Hagar. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1, Sarah's wife has a handmaiden who's an egyptian and he is going to have sex with her and have a baby that's not their baby and he's gonna he's gonna bring strife into his family maybe it'd been better not to get that lady and went down to egypt and he got rich but so did lot in verse five lot also went with abram and he had flocks and herds and tents and that egypt's success and riches got into lot so much that he's going to risk everything to keep his possessions, his position, and his power. Oh, Lot's like, man, I've, I've got money now. I've got all this stuff now. And I'm willing to separate from Abram. The riches were causing strife. And most of us tend to think if I had more money, I'd have less strife. But a lot of times when you got more money, you got more strife. Because you got to set up and worry about somebody taking your stuff. you got to worry about somebody breaking in your house. you got to worry about what's going to happen. Abram didn't want there to be strife. He wanted there to be peace in the family. He wanted peace more than he wanted prosperity. Abraham offers Lot anything he wants. Buddy, hey, you take what you want. If you go that way, I'll just go that way. If you go that way, I'll go that way. You just pick what you want. Lot is looking for what will make him happy and successful. Lot looks around and says, been to Egypt, see what Egypt looks like. And when I look towards Sodom and Gomorrah, it kind of reminds me of when we were in Egypt. And I think that's the way I'd like to go. Chapter 13 and verse 10, he says, like the land of Egypt. Even as the garden of the Lord, man, like it's like the garden Eden and it's like Egypt. Like maybe God really blessed it and it's like Egypt. He has to throw that in. It's like Egypt. I even think about it as I read the word Zoar that in just a little while when Sodom and Gomorrah get destroyed, guess what he's going to say? Well, can I get to Zoar, which was close to there on my way down to Sodom and Gomorrah? He sees that the land looks like Egypt. He sees it as a place of abundance and he chooses convenience and comfort over fellowship and family. And walking with a man of God. Some big lessons you might think about. You can make fun. You can have fun. And you can make money in a world for a while. There's pleasure in sin for a season. And it's okay to have riches. But when they have you. You're in trouble. Amazingly Abram goes down. And Abram's rich. But Abram realizes. This money is not what I need. I need to get back to Bethel. I need to get back to a place where I worship God. But it seems like old Lot never seemed to get that. 
Abraham messed up, but he got right. Money doesn't seem to own Abram. The money and the desire for things took over the lot of lot, the life of Lot, though. Lot will eventually sacrifice his family on the altar of this world. And you might be headed down that same road if you're not careful. When you spend too much time looking at Egypt, you might just get to wanting what Egypt has to offer. The desire for things will separate Lot from the man of God, Abram, and will lead to much hurt in his life. I just want you to know, and we live in prosperity and opulence and affluence and everything is so fantastic. And it's so easy to want and to want. And the world offers us all ways of getting that. There's nothing wrong with having things. But when things have you, you've made a big mistake. There's nothing wrong with God adding things to you. But there is something wrong with you seeking things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then let him add all those things to you. He promised he would. But Lot doesn't do that. It was Abram that took Lot down to lots of picture of materialism taking over, I think. It was Abram that took Lot down to Egypt. It was Abram that was mentoring Lot, whether he was intentionally doing it or not. You see, there's old Lot. He brought Lot with him when he came from home. When he left the pagans, he brought Lot with him. And when he came down and when he went to Egypt and everywhere they're going, Lot's learning from him. Abraham makes mistakes and recovers. Lot doesn't. Lot seems to have a big business and big money but he lets it take over his life. Lot separates from the very best influence God put in his life. In chapter 13 and verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. He chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and he separated themselves. His love for Egypt causes Lot to head towards another sinful place. Abraham's been to Egypt, came out of Egypt, brought Lot with him. And Lot looks around and says, there's Sodom and Gomorrah over there. I'd like to go that way. I like the way it looks over there. And he pitched his tent in verse 12 towards Sodom. And the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And Lot said, but I know that might not be the best place. And I know it might be where Abraham got in trouble. Abram got in trouble, but I want to go that way. Maybe he thought he could handle it. Isn't that the way we are? Hey, other people might not can handle this. And other people could not go to these places I go and do these things I do, but I can handle it. Maybe he thought he could take advantage of him and make some money and get wealthy and it wouldn't hurt him. It wouldn't hurt his family. Maybe he just thought he was meeting his family's needs. Some big lessons, I think. Realize the world wants your heart and your life and it'll take it if it gets a chance. The Bible says in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. Could I just remind you of some things real quickly? You are influencing people around you. You do not walk alone. What you do will have an impact on others. What you do will have an impact on others. I doubt Abraham thought in one second, I'm going down to Egypt and Lot's going to get messed up. I doubt one time Abraham would have been wanting to say it was my influence that got him out of the pagan's place and brought him out of the world. We follow God. And by the way, Lot's a saved man. The Bible says he's just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And I doubt Abraham ever thought what he was doing might be affecting Lot, but it appears that it affected him. It appears to me that it affected him. 
You're influencing people. Boy, the day you get married, the day you take a wife, the day you become a dad, the day you become a friend, the day people start looking to you, you're influencing people. Abram, you're influencing people. Austin, you're influencing people. Don't let money and jobs and position and hunger for stuff get you away from godly influences. Big lesson. Lots, families, gonna get hurt. You know it won't be long. So Lot will be stuck in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. And just a little bit in our story here. He's going to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's going to have other children in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're not even going to get saved. And his sons-in-laws will laugh in his face when he tries to talk to them. And when he goes to leave town, his own wife will want to be in Sodom and Gomorrah so much she'll turn back and turn to a pillar of salt. And his two daughters, when he gets out, are going to be such carnal schemers. That they're going to get him drunk and sleep with him to have a baby. This guy messed up big time. And I question in my life how I use my influence on people that look to me. I question if where I go or what I do might mess somebody else up. You are influencing lives all around you. You do not walk alone. Get out of Egypt and get it out of your heart and get it out of your eyes. If you messed up, get back up and get it right with God. Fourth thing real quickly. Abram returns to the blessings and the promises of God. Even though Abram has made a mess of things, God's still ready to extend grace and continue working in his life. Here's a beautiful lesson here. You know, the story, I think, is Abram flunking a test of faith and returning and getting right with God and passing the test. And you're going to have a whole time, lifetime of doing that. And it's going to be like you get all these chances to start over. Boy, God is so good. He's a God of grace. And he's a God of mercy. And every time I mess up and I fall down or I do something wrong, he lets me get back up. He helps me back up. And he does a work in my life. And he helps me to stand and do the right thing. God's mercy and his grace was there for Abram. And he comes back. So God's love for you is never based on what you're doing. He loved Abram when he was an idiot down in Egypt. He loved Abram and he protected Abram even when Abram was doing things he shouldn't have done. Abram returns. But Lot is left now and taken the best of everything for himself. Lot's gone. Lot's out doing his own thing. So God comes to Abram and he says, look, Abram, I know Lot took everything and you trusted me and you believed in me and you came back here. And you cared for me more than you cared for the stuff. So let me tell you, I'll give you a big promise. Look, if you would, in Genesis 13, 15. He said, all the land that you see, I give it to you. And to your seed forever. And I'll make your family big. So big, nobody can count them. I'm still here, Abram. I'm still blessing you. I'm still working in your life big time. God makes Abram a forever promise of the land again. God again promises him a super large family. And Abram is to get up and walk over all the land, acting in faith, saying, God's with me, and God's going to do something. Arise and go walk around the land. The promise wasn't conditional. It was a one-sided, unconditional problem, a promise. And your salvation, by the way, is a one-sided, unconditional thing that God does for you. You don't get saved by what you do. You don't keep saved by what you do. You don't gain more of God's love by what you do. Just like Abram didn't. 
You say, I've been down to Egypt. I've been down doing things I ought not do. Well, you know, when Abram was an idiot and down in Egypt, God still protected him. God still worked in his life. God's working in your life wherever you are. Your salvation is not a conditional promise. You got saved with no effort of your own. Abram comes back and he builds an altar again in verse 18. Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord. Verse 12, he's building altars. He built two altars, if you recall. Now he's back and he's building another. Big lessons, he will never leave you nor forsake you. How many times you messed up since you got right with God? How many times you flunked a faith test? How many times you messed up so that you would, if you were God, you'd probably take away your salvation. Do you know what he didn't do that to Abram? He gets back and he gets back and Abram comes back and he's built a thing and Lot's taking everything. And Abram could have been discouraged. And God says, Abram, don't be discouraged, buddy. You're back. And just so you know, I'm still here. And look around. You see that? He took all the best, but hey, he's not going to get blessed. He's going to get messed. But you're going to get, you're going to get it all. I'm giving you all this. Just look any way you want. It's all yours. Start walking, buddy. Everywhere you walk, I'm giving it to you. God was good to him. When you aren't faithful, he is faithful still. Don't you ever fall for any threat about God not loving you if you're a born-again believer. Don't you ever fall for anything where you're gaining things. God's promises of blessings may not come from the most obvious sources. I think very likely I would have thought that day Lot sure took the best land and Lot took the well-watered plains and Lot took the place where you can prosper and I got all this junk that's left over. That's all God's given me. But God looks at it and says, hey, your promises don't come from a piece of dirt. They come from me. Your promises don't come from your job or your place. Your promises don't come from where your source of income is. Your, your promises, they come from me. And God's promises and blessings come without heartache that Lot will, Lot's going to experience. God blesses. Rest in what God has promised and how he will accomplish what he promises. I just kind of want to sum some things up here. Realize that your life and testimony have consequences. I don't know how to say this to you, but the day God let me get married, I was no longer responsible for one life. I was responsible for two. The day God gave me children, I was responsible for much more than that. The day God let you become a Sunday school teacher, the day God let you become a discipler and disciple somebody, the day God let you have friends, people are watching you, you influence lives. And what you may handle and what you may recover from, they may not. Abram's trip to Egypt will affect the rest of his life. Don't ever think that us playing with the world is okay. Don't ever think that because he's good and merciful and kind and he lets us get out of it, he he picks us up. Don't ever think it's okay. It still affects us. Abram's got a handmaid probably picked up while they were in Egypt. She's an Egyptian slave girl. Maybe Pharaoh even gave her to her. I don't know. But she's going to be a source of embarrassment and family strife before it's over. Lot's going to get in trouble. He's going to get in trouble. He's going to be in big trouble. I mean, the next chapter he's going to get taken and Abraham's going to come to the rescue. But before the story's over, Lot's family will be decimated. I wonder if maybe Lot could have said, I don't need so much money. You know, I wonder if when Abraham said, I don't want us fighting anymore. What if Lot had said, hey... No problem. I'll get rid of some cows. I mean, cows ain't that important. Maybe I'll get rid of some junk. Maybe money's not as important as I thought it was. You can come back when you messed up and God will continue to work in your life. That's a big lesson. 
Boy, that's happened in all of our lives. Are you serving God? If you're serving God, you can come back and you can get right. Egypt has a strong pull. And you must do everything in your power to avoid it capturing your heart. It is so easy for Egypt to grab our heart. You cannot live in the United States of America. You can't live in for South County or Fulton County or this immediate area without turning on a television. And there it is, sex and there it is, money and, and things and, and, and pride and, and so many things that would pull you away from God. You've got to be careful to know that's not what we're aiming for. That's not what we're looking. Let's don't play with it. The love of money is the root of all evil. I read that somewhere. First Timothy chapter 6. An old lot seems to have gotten a real bad dose of it. And you know, it's kind of hard to live in our day and time without getting a dose. Of it. I fight that. Do you? Can I just tell you, man, ever so often, I just wish I had more money. I'm going to be honest with you. Can I say this? I, I wish I had more money. I kind of get aggravated. I ain't got more money. And I kind of wonder why God doesn't give me more money. You say, I thought you was holy. I thought I was too, but I ain't. I want it. I look around. I compare myself. And if I'm not careful, Sodom, Egypt, the world will grab my heart. Keeps me from going to the mission field. <laughs> keeps me from tithing and giving and being a giver. Keeps me from keeps me from being generous because I got to take care of me. God's word can be trusted. Well, you know what? Abraham got a promise from God. I don't doubt that promise one bit. He said, Abraham, look around, buddy. Everywhere you step, it's going to be yours. I got it for you. I personally believe God gave him that land. It's going to be his land. Going to be his Israel's land. I just believe it's a big, big promise. Your walk with God is far more important than anything this world has to offer. There's nothing here. There's nothing here that's worth my walk with God. And I think sometimes that our picture of the beautiful God of grace we serve can easily let us lower our guard and say, we know our church isn't that strong against sin and well, he doesn't rip us or jump on us. And he tells us how God loves us. And he tells us how God is full of grace. But let me just say to you, the God of the Bible says, Hey, Abraham, you messed up. You ought not have been down in Egypt. Hey, Lot, you messed up. I, you know, hey, I, did you know you can't play with sin without getting burned? Do you know that? And it's so easy for us to think, Hey, I, I, I could go to Egypt. I, I can run around with those guys. I can think what they think. I can read what they read. I can live their life and I won't get messed up. But I think we will. I think Abram's a good picture of that. You got to be careful. You got to back up and say, man, God is a good God. And he's a God full of grace and he's a God full of mercy. But he's a God that warns me over and over, stay out of Egypt. He's a God that over and over says, I'll take care of you. There's a beautiful little thing I just love and then I'll close. <laughs> but in just another chapter, we're going to have this wild story about how God, we're going to have this wild story about how God lets Abraham capture, fight, defeat fight like five kings and rescue Lot. And he's going to come back and there's going to be these two big shots that come to meet him. 
And the one big shot that comes to meet him represents the world. And the other one represents the things of God. And, 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 the, and they're going to say to him, hey, you can have all the goods. You can have all the stuff. Just give me my people back. And Abram's going to look at him and say, I don't need your people or your money. I don't need your goods. I don't need your possessions. The God of heaven takes care of me. And he's going to, he's going to give up everything that was rightfully his by the, by the winning the war. And the very next chapter, God's going to say, Abraham, you did right, buddy. And I am your great and exceeding reward. You don't need the junk. You got me. And tonight, you don't need the junk. You don't need the junk. You got him. Now, before I close, because you might be saying, boy, he's against us having anything. That is not the issue at all. It's not you having stuff. It's tough having you. It's not that God can't bless you and give you things. It's when you hunger for it. And if you were honest, which I'm sure you won't be, you'd have to admit it's tempting. You watch a TV commercial, it's tempting. You read a magazine article, it's tempting. Man, I just wonder sometimes if I was to drink that beer, would I have all those friends? Could I get that car if I did this? Could I have that stuff? Could I live to all this level? Could all that be mine? Could I have it? Could I have it? Could I have it? I'd love to have it. Can I have it? I want it. And I'll just be honest with you. I still battle with it. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you're strong enough that you never even think about it. But the truth is you probably think about it more than you'd admit. And you probably ought to think about it more. Get back to worshiping. Go build an altar. Find time to be with God. Amazingly, your junk doesn't leave you time to pray. Your junk doesn't leave you time to read your Bible. Your junk doesn't leave you time to serve God. Be careful or you may see the world decimate your family, though you'll go to heaven when you die. I'd far rather have God's blessings on my family. Father in heaven, I love you. I pray that your name would be glorified and honored. And I pray you'd help us to be careful about Egypt and careful to get alone with you and careful to build you an altar. I'll give you praise for all you do. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.